Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Before I had my first baby, I was terrified of labor. I learned all I could, but it seemed such an unknowable experience. I was reminded of this when I was chatting with a friend about her impending childbirth. At the time, I thought if only I could send her something to make her feel okay. And then, of course, I thought of Hannah Darlin. Hannah is a professor of midwifery at Western Sydney University and someone I only met, unfortunately, after the birth of both of my children, because I feel like everyone needs to speak to Hannah before they have a child, particularly if they're afraid of giving birth. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. What a lovely uh, introduction. Well, it's so true. I mean, the way you've always spoken to me about birth, with you've got so much passion, but also so much um, research and intelligence behind childbirth and the way a woman's body works that even though it was too late for me, every time I've heard you speak, I've thought, God, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. And I'd, I'd feel better if I heard it. So that's my purpose of this interview is to try to give women something to sort of just process and to feel uh, more confident going into birth. Now, I, as I mentioned, was afraid of the enormity of childbirth, the not knowing part. Everyone told me different things that would happen, mostly about how much it would hurt, but it was unquantifiable for me. What do you say to women who have that kind of fear that just feels so big and they can't pin it down? So I think the most important thing is that fear is normal, uh, that everybody has some. Some people have greater amounts of fear than others, and that's not a good thing. But some fear is good. And what fear does is it helps us prepare. It makes sure that we have um, the right people there. It makes sure that we talk about things. It makes sure we get the right providers in place. It makes sure that we go through in our head possible hmm, scenarios that should they happen, we have had some kind of road in there to have a think about it. So let's not think of fear as a bad thing. Obviously, fear that conquers all, paralyzes, makes us make decisions that may not be necessarily in the best interests of ourselves or our babies, that is problematic. But I guess, you know, I would say the most important thing that a woman can do when she is um, found out she's pregnant and she feels like there is a level of fear there that may be problematic is go find yourself a good midwife and a continuity of care program. Because what we do know is that if you can develop trust in a relationship-based care, that trust and fear cannot coexist. It's one of those wonderful things that where you bring trust in, you start to eliminate fear. And by having a relationship with someone who you learn to trust, who knows everything about you, knows that you're worried about your mother-in-law coming too early to the hospital, knows that you're really concerned about the toddler at home and how they're going to feel about the baby, knows that you're really worried about the, the weight that you put on with the last pregnancy and that's become your, your big fear, knows that you're really scared of the pain and can't imagine what it's like. The conversations that evolve are incredibly powerful. 
You don't have to repeat your story to a stranger every time. And then when it comes to birth and that person is there, it feels safe. Now, one of the biggest things we know about fear is if you feel unsafe, you can't labor and birth well. You will be tense. You will be vigilant. So you will be looking around because you're in a threatened situation and you're not going into that ancient primitive brain that you need in order to labor and, and give birth. So having that familiar person there is they, you know, people often say to me, what's the greatest job that I do? My, my greatest job is I keep fear out of the room. And that is guarding the door, making sure strangers don't you know, just wondering. That is making sure that you're respected, you feel covered, you feel protected, you feel listened to. It's also knowing all the conversations you've had during the pregnancy where you can say, now we did discuss this, shall we give this a go? So I, I can't, you know, people, we're in a world that is so connected and respectful of machines and technology that we've forgotten the fundamentals of being human. And as humans, we need love and we need protection and we need trust. And there is no more human and visceral experience on earth than birthing our babies. So first of all, get a good relationship in place to support you along the way. Now, let's assume that we have found that person. Oh, let's just say that's you. <laughs> if no one, if they haven't discovered that person, that's you today, Hannah. How would you talk to a woman who is afraid of pain? So, look, there's a couple of fantastic books. Um, one of the ones that I have found the most effective is um, Birthing with Confidence by Rhea Dempsey. It's just the most lovely book of stepping through and getting us to understand and do the work on the baggage we bring to birth. We bring baggage to birth. You know, was it the way our mother talked to us about our birth? Was it the, 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 the traumatic story that she told us? Was it what we observed our sister go through? Is it the stories we've absorbed from our friends? Is it because we were in hospital once and we had a lot of pain and we now associate being in hospital and having a baby with, with that kind of pain? So I think the very first thing I would do, and in fact it is the very first thing I do when I meet a woman, is I say, tell me your story and tell me your dreams and hopes for this birth. Let's have a chat. And what will often come out is really interesting stuff that we can, we can do work on. Also, I do a lot of putting back in the positive. Remember that women have been doing this for millions of years. We're the most dominant species on planet Earth because actually this is a pretty good thing and we do it pretty well. So you're not the first person who ever have done this. And you will not be alone. It's not something you have to do alone. And there's no test on this. There is no final examination where you have to achieve something. This is an evolving journey. And, you know, let's now think about some tools you can bring to that birth. So I talk a lot about a toolkit. So what are the tools? So, you know, thinking about the parent education class you do, really critical. Is it an orientation program to the hospital system so that you're nice and compliant? Or is it a, a parent education program that teaches you about acupressure, that teaches you about positioning, about meditation, about learning to kind of control and, and dampen down that fear to visualise? So I really talk to people a lot about also finding the right tools to take with them and then engage the partner. 
because the partner can be so powerful in that. The person you trust most in that room is going to be your partner. And then probably the midwife will come second and that's how it should be. So if we can help partners also have confidence in their partner, also learn techniques such as massage and acupressure, etc., we then have the whole team on board. And what women say to us is after the birth, that when it goes well, the whole team was working with them. And that is absolutely critical. Another fear that some women have going into birth is that they will tear, which is, of course, very common and not necessarily, it depends on the tear, but doesn't mean it's going to be a, a lifelong injury. What would you say to someone who's afraid of tearing? Well, interesting, tearing is one of my major pieces of work because I had my own fear of tearing. I mean, you know, that was something I think every every woman does hold. Um, my PhD, in fact, was a randomised controlled trial of warm compresses, which is basically a warm flannel on your bottom as you're giving birth. Something as ancient, like I, I published a paper on this, this goes back all through history, but we never had researched it. And I did a randomised trial and found that not only does it reduce the pain or the stinging that you get when you're birthing a baby out of a small hole, but a very stretchy, clever hole, um, but it reduces the worst kind of tear by half. And now we've published in the last two years another systematic review of seven studies showing that a warm pack on your perineum when that baby's coming through can reduce the worst kind of tearing. So not only does that, it reduces the pain. Now we've published a paper this week, hot off the press, which I must say completely surprised me, where we looked at pelvic floor exercises. One of my PhD students has just done a randomised trial on pelvic floor exercises during pregnancy to see whether or not it has an impact on birth and on sexual uh, function after birth. And the, we did a meta-analysis, which means we pulled together all of the big randomised trials on pelvic floor exercises, and we found a halving a halving in the severest form of tearing if you do pelvic floor exercises antenatally. Wow. So it, that's, that's so exciting to me that women, the simple act of doing your pelvic floor exercises not only now reduces incontinence, but it can halve the worst kind of tear. So pelvic floor exercises, good diet, healthy weight. If you can come into pregnancy that way, then, then that's a huge benefit. The other thing we know is perineal massage. And that's when from about 34 weeks onwards, you or your partner will insert a couple of fingers into your vagina and you press downwards until you feel that sting and you hold that. And you do that around three to four times a week until the baby's born. That can also reduce your need to have an episiotomy. The other thing that we know, and I'm working with the government at the moment on a, on a, on a big um, document that's going to come out, is that slowing the birth of the baby down. So when you're at that point where you're pushing a baby out and you are in that, you know, I am woman, hear me roar and let's get this, let's get this baby out. Sometimes women just give an almighty push at the end and that can cause trauma. So again, it's about listening to your midwife. It's about slowing it down when the baby's sitting there, just breathing that baby out really slowly. So we know if you put all those things together, you can actually reduce tearing. Now, what I want to reassure women is women will often tear, particularly the first baby. It's normal. The body is amazing. Where they tear, which is right down the centre line, when, when um, that's stitched or when, when if it's small and they're resting well, 
it will heal beautifully. What we want to do is stop the worst kind of tears. And those are some of the tips that I've just outlined for you. You've spoken to me before about our bodies being built for birth and and how that works. Um, Could you talk us through that a little bit more? Because I know when I listen to you talk about it, I'm like, wow, that is amazing. Look, our our bodies are utterly incredible. And I I think it's very sad. Society often makes women feel so bad about their bodies. And that can start when we're little girls. You know, are we getting a little bit chubby? You know, are we we too short? Are we too tall? Are we too fat? Are we, you know, there's so much on women about how their bodies are. But we grow entire human beings and we bring them into the world. Like, I mean... You know, what's your superpower? That's mine. And I think that beats any other superpower that I've ever heard of. So we've got to remember that women come to birth with the baggage of, you know, I'm I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, my hips are too small, my hips are too big, you know, there's a whole lot of baggage. So reminding women that every woman is designed perfectly for her baby. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen and sometimes we need to help women and sometimes that means a cesarean or a forceps or vacuum but for the vast majority of women let's say 85 percent of women we know that they can labor and birth the baby through their pelvis just fine the woman's pelvis is different shape to the man's pelvis it's shaped much more circularly and a man's shaped much more angularly so that the diameter of the baby of the woman's pelvis is perfectly designed for that baby to come in and do this incredible swivel down the vaginal tract and out through um, the pelvis. So remembering the, you know, the importance of how our bodies are designed. We also have our babies early compared to all of the other animals in the animal kingdom. So we have our babies quite immature. You watch a baby foal being born and it's, you know, getting up and, and it's already walking, whereas our babies are very helpless and they're, they are small and they are helpless in order to come through our pelvises. So, you know, the pelvis is the biggest kind of um, passage that will be negotiated, but there are several, what we call the several P's involved. And one is the power of the contractions. And we know that if we keep women protected, if we keep women feeling safe, they will contract much better. The other is the pelvis, which we've already talked about. The other is that the passenger sometimes, which is the baby, um, can get itself into some kooky positions. So, you know, there are some babies that want to kind of come down the track with their heads on their side and some of them want to stick a hand out the front or a bum or a shoulder. And that can sometimes make things a little little bit um, tricky. And I always add a fourth P to this and the fourth P is psychology. So if you are feeling like you can do it and if you have someone with you who believes in you and feels that you can do it then you pretty much got the greatest chance possible of having a normal birth so think about the four p's you know get fit i tell you what there's no marathon on earth that's quite like giving birth so so being fit is important you know yoga is brilliant for getting you to stretch and get into really good positions that you will need for the labor and birth have a healthy diet you are going into a marathon so be prepared for it i remember my sister she wouldn't talk to me about labor probably because she knew how I, my brain worked um so she just said to me just think of it as x amount of hours for the most amazing gift at the end and nobody, I mean, people 
um, they seem to be of two ways. They either scare the hell out of you um, when it comes to childbirth or they paint such a rosy picture of being a mother. But that simple way of putting it that this is this amazing thing that you're going to get at the end didn't seem like people really talked about it like that, you know, without saying you're going to necessarily fall in love with your baby straight away. That doesn't always happen, but you still have this incredible little being at the end of the process. Do you think we miss that somehow? I don't know. I sometimes feel like we idealize motherhood, but we don't really talk about the truth of that little baby at the end. I agree. And we don't talk about how passionately you will grow into love with this being over the years. I mean, I've got a 22-year-old and a 15-year-old and i got to say I love them more every day. So we don't talk enough about the fact that, yeah, you may see this baby and think, whoa, not how I envisaged, kind of did this come from my body? That's all really, really normal. But the love you will eventually feel is going to surpass every love on earth. It's going to surpass the love for your partner. You know, and most partners who are, you know, healthy and mature will will agree that, you know, that that's also appropriate because they feel very much the same. So, yeah, and we, we often women are so focused on the birth, which is, you know, 12 to 20 hours out of your entire life and not on the fact that, yes, you are creating a human being and the whole life to come. So I think I think it's really, really important. I did. I remember doing the city, city to Surf many years ago, and I set that as a goal for myself. I wanted to be able to do the City to Surf. And I remember getting this little old medal at the end and feeling enormously proud of myself. Now, giving birth, City to Surf, I think it felt just about the same, especially Heartbreak Hill, second stage, you know, when I was trying to three hours of pushing my daughter out, who was 4.140 kilos. Uh, you know, it really, there was so many parallels in my head, but gee, I tell you what, at the end of the day, what I got compared to my little tiny medal, which I don't even think I have anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, thank you so much for speaking with us. And uh, I'm definitely going to encourage everyone who listens to this to pass it on. If you have a friend who's concerned, um, is afraid of birth. Hannah, thank you so much for your time today. My great pleasure. That's Hannah Darlin. She's a professor of midwifery at Western Sydney University. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.